Praise the Lord. You know, this is the uh, seventh week that we've been doing the series that I called, Who Are You? And that's where we asked the question, who are you? You know, and we started out, I asked the children, the first week I asked the children, who are you? They started telling me their names. I said, well, yeah, sure, we all identify ourselves by our names, but we're more than our names. You know, who are you? We started out by seeing that believers are the temples of the living God. His Spirit dwells within us. We're living temples, individually and collectively. We are the temple of the living God. And yet we're also God's children. That was in the second message. And the third message, we learned that we are those who endure the race that is set before us. And in the fourth message, we learned that we're salt. We season the earth with the gospel. We draw souls out of darkness and into light. We also preserve souls by bringing life. And then in the fifth message, we learned that we're authorized to do everything that our Lord and Savior commanded. And today we're going to look at one of those things that He commanded. And we're even authorized to heal the sick, and we have dominion over demons. We are those people. Not somebody long ago. We are believers collectively and individually. We're light in the world, and we renounce the hidden things of shame, the the hidden things of darkness. Today we're going to open the Word to the 28th chapter of Matthew's Gospel record, but before we do, I want us to pray. I certainly do covet your prayers today. Father, we pray for you to root your Word in our hearts. God, settle it with us. That your word is true and nothing else matters. Examine us, Father, and show us anything that opposes you. Forgive us for missing the mark, Lord. Guide us to be strengthened in the power of your might. Please unlock our understanding. Pour your spirit upon this congregation and all who will be within the sound of my voice, Lord. Seal your word into our souls. Please eliminate all distractions, Father. We are distracted in many ways. Oh, Lord, take away the distractions. Everything that is irrelevant to your word right now, Lord, I ask that you would just eliminate it, that none of us would be pressed by distractions. Please remove all human teaching and traditions that oppose your word, Father. Let us walk in your power. Let us walk in your authority. Let us be your people that do greater works, as our Lord and Savior said we would. Draw us into your presence with a true heart and full assurance of faith, as it's written in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. Wash over us with your Holy Spirit-filled word. Make us people of love for you and our neighbor. Pour your Spirit upon all who are within the sound of my voice, Lord, and fill us to overflowing that others would be splashed upon. Let us burn like fire and let the sparks of your Spirit ignite others. Please grant to your servant by your Spirit that with all boldness I may speak your word through the name of our Lord and Savior, the one we call Jesus, Yahushua. I pray this in his mighty and matchless name and all of God's people said, 
Amen. We're going to turn our Bibles to page 1543, if you have those in your seats there. It's Matthew chapter 28. It's the very last chapter of Matthew, and these are the very last words written in that chapter. This is when Jesus came and spoke to his disciples, and he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. In heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. He's saying, teach people. Teach them. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Commanded you. Commanded. He's the commander. We are the soldiers. We're the ones that do what the commander says to do, and we're to teach others. This is a command to teach others his commands. Teach them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You know, it's written that the one we call Jesus, he had a cousin. His cousin's name was John, and John was known for his uh, rough appearance. And he was also known for his diet. He, he ate locusts and honey, okay? Not many of us would go there, will we? And we learn in the first chapter of Luke's gospel record that they were cousins by their mothers. You see, when our Lord's mother went to visit her cousin Elizabeth... It's written that the babe jumped, it leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's in Luke chapter 1 and verse 41. What's implied there is that John was also filled. If his mother was filled with the Spirit, he was in his mother, it just stands the reason that he was. And in fact, it's written just before that in Luke chapter 1 and verse 15 that it was prophesied that he'll be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So we know that John was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Our Lord's cousin John baptized people in the Jordan River. The Jordan River was uh, a sewer of sorts. It wasn't the clean river water that we might have been taught to believe that it was. The gospel records relate the fact that when people were baptized, they confessed their sins. In fact, we could read about that in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 6, Mark chapter 1 and verse 5, and also in Acts chapter 19, the second book of Luke. In verse 18 there, in 1 John chapter 1, it's written, if we, conf- excuse me, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So if we step into the, bo- the water of baptism, we say, oh, I don't have any sin. We're deceiving ourselves. We confess to the Lord, Father, I am a sinner. I want to be saved. I want to be released. I want to be freed. I want to be set free from th- this body of death. As the wages of sin is... Anybody? 
death. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. However, it goes on to say, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That implies that we need to be cleansed from unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And the consequence of that is we don't have His Word in us. His Word is not in us, it says. If we make Him a liar, His Word isn't in us. So if we say we aren't uh, sinners, we say we haven't sinned, make Him a liar, because He says we are. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 13, it's written, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Forsaking sin, confessing it and forsaking it, is equal to renouncing those hidden things of darkness that we speak, spoke about last week. Proverbs 28.13 tells us, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Confesses and forsakes. In other words, I don't go back. You know, and I've mentioned many times from the pulpit here that I've heard preachers say, just go out and sin it up and then tell God you're sorry. And He'll forgive you because His mercy endures forever. And we know that His mercy endures forever, but the implication is that His Word tells us whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. If we continue in sin, what are we doing? We're crucifying Him over and over again according to His Word. It's written in Hebrews. We may not continue in sin. We may not just say, oh, wow, you know, I did this and I did that. I jumped through this hoop and I jumped through that hoop and I jumped through the other hoop. Just like the religion said, I've got it all sewed up. I've got my card in my pocket and I'm on my way to heaven. And there's a lie right there from hell because the Lord says, forsake your sin. You can't keep living in it. And that's the part that most of Christianity today doesn't want to talk about, forsaking sin. We don't like that. It's not comfortable. After all, we stumble. We're flesh. We, we have weaknesses. We may not willfully continue in sin and expect to have the mercy of God. That is not what His Word teaches. Forsaking sin is also called repenting or repentance. Almighty God laid out the boundaries for human existence. And guess what, folks? We don't get to change the boundaries. We're not authorized. Oh, we've been authorized to do a lot of things, but we're not authorized to do that. We are not authorized to change the boundaries of human existence. We're not authorized to change the boundaries that Almighty God set for our relationship with Him and each other. He makes that clear. We don't get to define sin, and we certainly don't get to redefine it. And there are many today who have done exactly that. They've redefined sin. Said, so, well, this isn't sin, and that isn't sin, and we're going to embrace it because, after all, God is love, and He loves everybody just the way they are, and He loves us too much to leave us there. Trust me on that, folks. If you are blood bought, if you are a child of God, if you are the temple of the living God, if you are light, renouncing darkness is going to become a constant habit. You're not going to live in darkness. You're going to live in light. 
You're going to be that salt that seasons the earth. You're going to be that preservative that draws other souls into the light and out of the darkness. None of us can say that we're without sin, but remember, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever, whosoever, as it's written in the King James Version of the Bible, whosoever means anybody. He loved the earth, the world, His creation so much that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Forever life. It's written in Luke chapter 5 and verse 32, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That was our Lord speaking. And it's written in, uh, that the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, it's written that he firmly instructed everyone to repent. And the word there means turn. See, we're running from God when we're living willfully in sin. When we turn, we repent toward God. We turn toward God. He said he told them to turn toward God and put faith toward our Lord, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Yahashua, Messiah. Our faith is placed in Him as mediator. He's the mediator between us and God. He's the one that paid the price. So he can stand in the courts of heaven and say, I paid. Their debt is paid. They don't owe you anymore. They don't have those wages due to them. I say to you, it's written in Luke chapter 15 and verse 7. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 just persons who need no repentance. And, you know, I, I pondered that. And I have many times thought about why, why would the angels rejoice over a sinner that repents? It's written, they're the ones that gather up the souls and cast them into the fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. One less soul to cast into hell. And they rejoice. And so should we. We need to be people of rejoicing when a sinner comes from the darkness into the light, when a sinner comes out of that life of sin and into the purity of Christ, we can rejoice. We are the people of God. We are the temple of God. We are to be drawing people out of that muck and mire and into the righteousness of Christ. Because it's by His righteousness that we're saved, not our own. Our righteousness is just like filthy rags. The Scripture tells us those filthy rags aren't like dirty, greasy rags. We're talking about bloody rags, menstrual blood. That's the type of blood that it's referring to there. It's not something most people like to talk about, but that's what he's talking about, because the blood of Christ was pure. And he paid the price with his blood, because the life is in the blood. It's written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's written in Luke chapter 24 and verse 47. 
he had to suffer and die and rise from the dead. And why? So that repentance and remission of sins would be preached. And there's this whole thing now, this move within what we call Christianity, that there's no need for repentance. There's no need for remission of sin. He takes care of it all. Because if you repent, after all, that's a work, they say. But God's Word says that it's to be repentance and remission of sins. So when we step into the water of baptism, we are repenting. We are turning from sin. We're turning from everything previous to that moment in time when we are identifying with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ our Lord. Our faith is placed in Him as the Advocate. Our faith is placed in Him as the Mediator. Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on Him who would come after Him. See, John brought people to repentance. He said, you need to believe on the one that's coming after me. He wasn't saying believe on Him. He wasn't the Savior. And what's interesting is that our Lord Himself stepped into the water of baptism. Do you despise the riches of His goodness? It's written in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance? The goodness of God leads you to repentance. You don't want to sin. You forsake sin. You renounce darkness. You spread the light, not conceal it. Repentance is led by God's goodness. It's not a man's work. We participate. Oh, you better believe that. It tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. We don't regret repenting. We don't regret turning from our sin. We don't regret renouncing darkness and shame. Remember, it's written in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness. But He's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. Now, that blows some human doctrine right out of the water. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I've heard all the arguments from the demonic nations that stand against that passage of Scripture. But, you know, it's God's Word, and I stand with it. I'm not going against God's Word, folks. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how educated they are, how many letters or numbers or whatever they got after their name or before their name or whatever. I look at God's Word. Now, maybe I'm just simple enough to believe it. Maybe I'm just childlike enough to believe that maybe, just maybe, what God wrote is true. We can look at baptism as an act of forsaking one's sins. We step into that body of water, we renounce darkness, and we identify with Christ. He was sinless, and He went into the water. Why would He do that? 
He allowed his cousin John to put him under the water. He led the way for all who would follow him. He said, follow me. This is the way. Follow me. This is what he said. He told his people, follow him. And what did he do? He stepped into the water, and he was baptized. And that word baptized, I've heard people say, oh, it doesn't matter if you do this or you do that or do that. You know, and, and under certain circumstances, I say, I will baptize anybody with anything, anywhere, under any circumstances, okay? If somebody comes to faith and they say, I want to be baptized, what's hindering me from being baptized? I'll take a cup of water and dump it on them and say, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the biblical model that we see, people went into the water, were put under the water in the likeness of his death and his burial. And they were raised up out of that water in the likeness of his resurrection. In Mark chapter 3, it's written, When he had been baptized, our Lord came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and alighting upon him. And then we hear a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three present at his baptism. In Luke chapter 7, we learn a little detail of why it's important, okay? Because the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by Him. These were the religious leaders. They, oh, we don't need to be baptized by that guy. Who does he think he is anyway? This unlearned, rough man wearing camel's hair and a leather belt and eating locusts and honey. Who does he think he is anyway? He didn't go to our school. Did he go to your school? No, he didn't go to my school. He doesn't have a degree from where I attended. They rejected the will of God. They rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And do you know that it's the will of God for all of God's children to be baptized? He said, go and do it. I've had people argue with me in this building, argue against that idea of being baptized. We don't have to be baptized. What about the thief on the cross? I said, yeah, he got in by the skin of his teeth, but he got in. He didn't get baptized. He got baptized in blood hanging on the cross next to our Lord, who invited him, in, invited him into paradise because he confessed. Remember me when you come to your kingdom. And our Lord said, hey, you're going to be there with me today. But those religious people, they rejected the will of God for themselves. And there's so many today that do the same. Do you know, identifying with Christ in baptism is an act of obedience to God's will. It is clear. His word makes it perfectly clear. It's an outward representation of what happens on the inside. We die to sin. We are born again spiritually. And we show that in the physical act of going under the water, dying to sin, being buried. The old man is dead. The new man lives. The new human. 
Believers identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. We die to sin, our old self is buried, and we're resurrected to new spiritual life. How many would not want new spiritual life? How many would want to stay locked in some kind of existence less than what God offers? Not me. I want all that God offers. I want to be His, fully sold out, completely yielded, acquiesced to His will, nothing less, nothing more, in the center of His will for my life and all of yours. God, have mercy on those souls that are locked in darkness. You know, after Peter preached... When the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Yahshua, Messiah, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we see a believer's baptism for the remission of sins and receiving the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're not sure if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're not sure or you want to be sure, think about that. Think about what is written there. It's remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter said, repent. Be baptized. You know, but our Lord said, whoever puts his hand to the plow and turns back isn't worthy. So don't make that step and then think, well, I can just go back to my old life because that is not how it works, folks. That is not how it works. We need to heed his instructions. And his instruction requires a response from every believer to turn away from everything that Almighty God says to turn away from. We need to turn away from willful sinning. We need to turn to our Creator. And that's what we're representing when we lay down in the water, when we go under the water. Heeding this instruction brought thousands of people to faith that day. Thousands. The Scripture says there were 3,000 souls added. And it also says they were all baptized. Now tell me, there were 12 guys that people will argue they were the only ones that were authorized to do this and all this other mess. That, you know, I've I got to erase that from my head because I've had so many people try to bury me in human doctrine. There were 12 guys, 3,000 people. How many do you think they could get through by themselves? Next! Okay, go! Next! Okay, go! Next! No, that's not what happened. We'll come back to that. Those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And in Acts chapter 4, we learn many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men that came to be about 5,000. Thousands of people came to Christ and were baptized. Thousands! Now, we'll have evangelistic events where we call people up, or they'll tell them, raise your hand. Bow your head, everybody. Raise your hand. Where's the confession of Christ? Where's the repentance? 
Where is this act of, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm going down with Christ. Bow your heads. We don't want anybody to get ashamed. And he says, if you're ashamed of him, he's going to be ashamed of you. I don't know about you folks, but I am not going to be ashamed of him. If it didn't happen on the inside, you can't make it happen on the outside. Who baptized all those people? I believe this is a part of what the Lord said, and it's written, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father, and whoever or excuse me, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's written in John chapter 14. He preached the truth. And he's saying that's going to go exponentially. Not just the signs and wonders. They actually follow. We can preach. We can teach. The signs and wonders are going to show, and then souls are going to come. Souls will come, and then signs and wonders will follow. This is going to happen. That's what his word says. It's perfectly clear, folks. And I think so much of the church today has squashed the Holy Spirit. We don't want what he does. We're afraid of what he does. We can't have that here. Well, I, for one, am not going to do that. He's going to rule. If we believe, if we truly believe, and we ask in His name, we'll see souls come to repentance. We will see souls obediently step into the water of baptism. I did not announce, hey, we're going to have a baptism service, everybody. Who wants to join up? No. The Holy Spirit has been working on people, and they've come to me and said, I want to get baptized. Rosalie came to me a while back. Kathy came to me a while back. Eric came to me. Others have come to me. Hey, I want to be baptized. The Holy Spirit is moving me. God is moving. I want to get baptized. Because God's moving over the souls of his people. And I know if we believe, we'll see more people come. Our believing is an act of faith, but it's not just believing. It must be coupled with the preaching of God's Word. And this is why I lean so heavily on His Word. This is what His Word says. This is what His Word says. This is what is written. This is what is written. This is what it's written. This is what it's written. It doesn't matter what somebody else says. It doesn't matter what some scholar wrote. It doesn't matter what some theologian made up. It doesn't matter what they think. What matters is what God says. Because God's word is true, and every man is a liar. Let me preach the word of God, because his word is going to transform souls, and I'm absolutely certain of that. That's one thing that has never changed in this building, so long as God has had me here. I have preached his word. It has to be. Yes, we have faith. Yes, we walk by faith. Yes, it's by faith that we're saved, and not of ourselves. We must couple our faith with the preaching of God's Word. Remember John, our Lord's cousin? He said, he's mightier than me. He told the people, 
I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire! We're not talking about physical fire. We're talking about spiritual fire. That you'll come alive for Almighty God. You will be burning with desire to draw souls out of darkness and into His light. You will be those who light others on fire. The fire will come from you. The sparks will fly off of you. You'll be buried in that fire. You'll be consumed by that fire. You'll be purged by that fire. You'll be set alive by that fire. You will no longer be those who walk in darkness. You will be in the light and you will draw others into the light because you will have the light within you and it will be burning forth from you. And there's no better place to be, folks. There's no better place to be on fire for God so that when you're walking and you're talking and you're living, all you can do is share Christ. What happened to you, somebody will say, I came into God's presence And I never want to go back into that world. I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm going to be alive for Him. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to serve Him all the days of my life. And that's where I want everybody who hears His Word to be. I don't want you to be people who are lukewarm, one foot in the world, the other foot in Christ. He says if you're there, when He returns, He's going to spew you out. He's going to vomit you. He doesn't want you there. He wants you to be on fire for Him. He wants you to be alive with Him. He wants you to be serving Him. John knew he was mightier. Who are you? Believers are Holy Spirit-filled followers of Christ. We're going to visit this next week. I'm not going to continue on it. But I do want to cover a couple of other scriptures. There's one other scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verse 13 and 14 is where it's written, For by one Spirit we were all baptized, submerged into one body. There's one body. There's one Lord. There's one Spirit. And by that one Spirit we're all baptized, submerged, joined together, whether Jews or Greeks, doesn't matter what our background is, doesn't matter what country our, our heritage comes from, whether slaves or free, We've all been made to drink into one Spirit. Why is so much of the church afraid of the Holy Spirit today? Can anybody tell me why we've had these demonic nations take the Holy Spirit out of the picture? They're afraid of God. You're right, Kathy. They're afraid of God. We're Holy Spirit-filled believers. Whether we're slaves or free, we've been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. All of us are part of that body. The body of Christ. The bride of Christ. We're called many things. Who are you? You are many things in Christ. After the Holy Spirit freed Paul and the other prisoners, they were in jail. They were locked up for preaching. And uh, after the Holy Spirit freed them, they told the jailer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, if it just ended there, we'd say, okay, all they had to do was believe. They had to believe. They said, Paul said, believe. 
But then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So obviously he took them out of the jail, went and preached. Now it's nighttime, midnight or so, whatever. It wasn't daylight. He spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Now the jailer said, okay, let me clean you guys up. I know you're hurting. They got whipped for their faith. They got beat. They were bleeding. Their skin was torn open, okay? None of us have ever been there. Now there may be some people that hear this online that might have been, but we haven't been. That's not a criticism. Took them, cleaned them up, and then it tells us a very curious little fact that is often overlooked. Immediately, he and all his family were baptized. It was nighttime. Can we do this in the morning? Oh, come on, it's too dark out there. There's no streetlights. There's lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my, right? Where they were, very likely could have been some wild beasts. But immediately, he and his family were baptized. And that's not the only time. You heard that 3,000 were <clears throat> baptized. They came into the faith and they were baptized. The 5,000 came. And we know by implication that they were baptized. Because that was the pattern. The biblical record's clear. Those who believed were baptized as soon as possible when they came to the faith. You lead someone to Christ, what do you do? Well, I got to call the pastor. He's going to have to baptize you. Uh, wait a minute. Let's check that out. The 3,000 came to faith. Who baptized them? Was it the pastor? When 5,000 came to faith, who do you think baptized them? Was it some spiritual priest? It was common people, just like you and me. It was believers who had been baptized. It was baptized baptizers. Amen. The baptized became baptizers. Okay? That's why I titled the message, Who Are You? Baptized Baptizers. Amen. All right? You don't need me if you believe. And Taking that step of faith may take a moment. But I want each of you to understand that as God leads you to draw souls into His kingdom, He's also leading you to put them in the water. You don't have to bring them to me or any other so-called spiritual leader. And I'm not trying to put myself out of doing things for the Lord. Don't get me wrong, folks. I will baptize everybody and anybody that steps. We were down at Moraine in 2008, and there was this big festival called the Moraine Park Summer Festival for Christ. I did publicity for that. I helped, and I learned, and it was a great experience. But there was a lot of things that were wrong, and one of them was that they wouldn't put the name of Christ in the event. It was the Moraine Park Summer Festival, and I said, well, what about for Christ? No, no, we don't want that. And they did a whole lot of things wrong, and I'm not going to go into that. But the point is, they said, don't do any religious stuff. And I said, what about baptizing people? We're going to have water here. People come to Christ. We need to put them in the water. No, 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 we don't want to, we don't want to do that. Now, I had to stretch my neck and my hands. and I had to do all this stuff, like, to just not get jumping ugly. 
It was bad enough they didn't want Christ's name in the name of the event. It was bad enough that they had all these other things that were going on. They were going to lead people in, and then they were going to flip them into a message and then get people to bow their heads and raise their hands, so they weren't allow, going to allow us to baptize people. And the Lord said, if anybody wants baptized, you baptize them. And I said, okay, Lord, that's what I'll do. That eight people got baptized. Amen. Praise God. We were at the Moraine Park Lake. Freshwater comes in, fresh water goes out. It's kind of still looking when you're in it, but it is washing through, okay? It's not like a stagnant pond. It's living water. It's common people. They didn't hold baptism classes and weeks of instruction. Oh, let's set you up for some baptism classes. We're going to have some baptism classes. Everybody want to sign up? We got a sheet out in a. I start getting tense whenever I think about this mess that the church has made out of baptism. It's not God's will that we do it the way that we've been doing it. His Word gives us the example. And I wrote myself some notes on my fingers, okay? Confess, forsake, renounce, and identify. That's what baptism is. Baptisms were immediate. As soon as anybody believed, they were baptized. In Acts 8, we find that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. Acts chapter 8 and verse 5 tells us that. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Did you hear that part? We'd like to skip over that part too. Philip was a disciple and he was performing miracles. By Christ, the Holy Spirit who dwelt within him was manifesting in these miracles. We don't know what they were. We don't know what happened. But he was doing it. And when they believed, Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Yeshua, Yahashua, the one we call Jesus, Christ, Messiah, when they believed Philip as he preached those things, both men and women Signed up for baptism classes. No. They were baptized. They were baptized right on the spot. Further along, we learned that Philip preached to the Ethiopian dignitary, this eunuch that was working for the queen. And he was baptized as soon as he confessed Christ. In fact, the Holy Spirit told Philip, run up to that chariot, overtake it. Philip gets one of these leader guys, and he gets him in the water. Because the guy says, hey, look, here's some water. What's keeping me from getting baptized here? Now, what does that imply? It implies that Philip was preaching baptism, too. He wasn't just preaching Christ. He wasn't just preaching the, the kingdom of God, but he's preaching baptism. And the eunuch says, hey, there's some water. What's keeping me from getting baptized right here? Did Philip say, you got to sign up for our classes next week? No. They went down in the water, and they got baptized. Then the Holy Spirit took Philip away, and the eunuch went on his way praising and glorifying God. And then what happened? Everywhere he went, he preached Christ. And no doubt, baptism. So who are you? Who are you? 
you who believe are baptized, baptizers. You. Yeah, you. If God can use me, it's like that donkey that he used, okay? You hear about the donkey turned around and spoke and said, Can't you see you can't go any further? If he can use me, he can use anybody. I mean, most of you don't know my sin. You don't know the life that I lived when I was running from God. And he uses me because I say, yes, Lord, take me and use me. I'm a weak vessel, but in him I am strong because his grace takes me beyond my own ability. Anybody who knows me knows I'm not a good speaker. But God takes me and he uses me and he allows me to speak for him. It's when I step out of his will that my speech goes, bubbity, bubbity, bubbity. <laughs> I'll just sit there and play with my lips. The demons have had a field day within the, the nations they've created, the demonic nations they've created on earth. Those demonic nations have taught Christ followers that they had to attend classes and have some special guy baptize them. That's not biblical. Those who are baptized... Become baptizers. That's what the Scripture shows us. Demon nations have harmed the kingdom of God by taking baptism away from the people. And God wants you to know, you are baptizers. You are. If you've been baptized, if you're walking in the faith of Christ, you also are authorized to baptize. And why do I say that? Well, we read the passage from Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Now see, we stop at go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. We tell me, oh yeah, yeah, you go out and bring them in here. We'll reel them in. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is our Lord commanding His followers. You, if you are His followers, you are baptizers also. When someone comes to Christ, when someone comes to faith, you can take them and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You can have them forsake their sin. You can have them renounce that hidden darkness. You can have them repent. You, you can have them identify with Christ. He who believes and is baptized, it's written in Mark chapter 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now what's implied there is if they don't believe, they're not going to be baptized. And even if they are baptized and they don't believe, they're still condemned. See, baptism doesn't save us. We identify with Christ. And so I have to tell you, folks, His command is that you would go into all the world. You would disciple others. You would teach them what He taught. You would baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are baptized baptizers. You got that? 
Now, we're going to have a baptism service today. And I would like, maybe Will can give me a hand initially. I don't know how many people are going to be baptized. We've got a few in the congregation here, and we've got some out at the park. We may have others that are coming. I've had people calling me. There's one guy that doesn't want to step into a building like this because he's been so hurt by the church, but the Lord's been leading him into the water of baptism. He may come today out to the park. There may be others. And maybe, just maybe, we're going to need some help. Wouldn't it be nice if we had 10 people or 100 people or 1,000 people or maybe like in the book of Acts, we'd have thousands of people come to Christ. And y'all better be ready to help me. I don't mind going to midnight, but after that I get kind of weary. Okay? You're baptized baptizers. Don't be afraid. Let go of that fear. Allow the Holy Spirit to use you. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you to overflowing so that that touches other lives. And every life, every life that you touch is for God's glory and His building of His kingdom, not some earthly kingdom. This is like a barn, okay? Y'all come in here, you get tuned up, you get oiled up. You're the equipment to go out into the field and do the harvesting. I just pray and I trust that God will keep my hands clean as I bring the word to you so that you understand. And I mean that word in the real sense, that you stand under his word and allow it to rule you. Not any man-made word, not any man-made doctrine or teaching, but that you would stand under his word and do what it is that he commands you to do if, in fact, you are believers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You and you alone to be glorified by your word. Use us to your glory, Father, that we may be your people who live for you, and that we would go into all the world and teach others, that we would baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We pray in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Remember, we do have lunch after the service, and then after the lunch we're going to head out. Oh, that's right. Yes, I I don't always remember, but we will receive an offering. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Sean, can you give a hand again? If you don't mind. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would guide us in our giving, that it would be sufficient to meet the needs here and beyond. We trust, we believe, and we pray, Lord, that you would show that we can never outgive you. Amen.